Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. All right. West and Lori will be available in the missions area uh, following this service. They've already sat through this once, so we are inviting them to, to go on out there. <laughs> he loves me. He just has trouble expressing it. All right. Well... I'm excited to be able to open God's Word with you this this month. I'm intimidated by the fact that I'm going to be doing this four weeks in a row, and I've realized now that maybe Pastor does do something up in that study when he goes up there all of the time. Uh, Getting this ready was a lot this week. Um, In today's world, you know, we have this um, need to feel connected. All of us walk around with our cell phones. I was at the airport uh, to pick up the Wilcoxes, and I was waiting and watching everybody come off the plane, and it was literally shocking, the number of people who were either looking at their phone, talking on their phone, listening to something. There was this need. They'd been on a, a flight for anywhere from an hour to who knows how long, but all of a sudden they needed to be connected again. I remember my dad, when I was young, talking about living on the farm and you know not having... Uh, TV, not having things, and, and not, you know, I was like, whatever, you know, sure, dad, whatever. Um, but now, as I'm a little bit older, my kids don't know what a phone is hooked to the wall, you know, and they, they, they're growing up in an age of iPads and iPods and iMacs and, and, and things like that, and Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, and, and we're, we're all constantly interacting on some level. And um, even last week when Adam was preparing to leave, um, he, he, he was tying up all of his loose ends. And he kept walking in my office and he'd, he'd stop and say, you know, what, what about my cell phone? How am I, I going to use my phone? I need to, I need to know how I'm going to call. I'll call Verizon. We'll work this out. It's okay. And he'd go back to his office. A little while later he'd come and say, how am I going to get emails? What am I going to do about my email? I need to make sure that I'm going to be in communication. And, and how cool is it that this morning we got to hear from him? Literally standing on a tower in Zambia, reporting back, sending text messages of new sister in Christ that, that found Christ this morning. Technology is, is remarkable and our need to be in communication is not a bad thing. The, the reason I, I bring all of that up is because I believe that we were created to be in relationship. I think that we have a need to share with each other and to be in relationship and the most basic aspect of that is that we were created for a relationship with the Lord. And and this month we're going to have a series on relationships. And I'm going to talk about relationships, but we're going to begin this morning in Genesis chapter 1 because we were created for a relationship with the Lord God. And I believe that if we don't get this right, if we don't nail this, then all of the other relationships that we have are going to struggle. Genesis 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning, God. We don't have to go any further than there to see the very first relationship in Scripture because before creation, before the world became part, before He created the world, before He created man, before anything happened, there was God. It's hard to understand that eternity passed, that God always was, but He was. Try to talk to my kids and, and explain eternity one day for all of eternity. We'll be able to be with God in heaven. And, and, and explaining eternity is difficult. But even more difficult than that is explaining that God is Father, Son, and Spirit. So God existed in three persons for all of eternity. And they got along. 
There was perfect unity. They always agreed on every decision. Their heart was one. They had different roles. They had different functions. But the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Spirit were all like-minded. And the first thing that I see as I study and, and began thinking about these relationships is that God displayed or modeled for us relationships with Himself. So when we look at Scripture, we see that they were perfect. They were in agreement at all times and still are at all times in the perfect relationship. So the question comes, why did God create man? Did He create us because He was lonely? Did He create us because He was in some way incomplete? Did He create us so that He might receive worship or glory? I would say none of those things are true. He had all of those things. He was not incomplete in any fashion and He had all glory. The reason that He created man was so that He could enjoy relationships with us and more importantly, we could enjoy relationship with Him. In John chapter 17, we read Jesus praying to the Father and and Jesus is, is praying to the Father about us. As believers, He was praying about us. And He said this, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. Just as you, Father, are in me, and I am in you, that they may also be in us. Jesus says, just as the Father and the Son are so perfectly attuned, what I'm praying is that the believers would have so much of me that we would be perfectly in tune and all of us would be in complete agreement. There would be a relationship that we have that would rival the one that I have with the Father. This is Jesus saying, I want all of us to enjoy the same relationship that I have with God the Father. And it's beautiful that He displayed that perfectly for us and says that we can have this amazing picture of unity and oneness, this relationship with the Lord God. God models this loving relationship. Even though they had different functions, they had different roles, they still existed in perfect unity. And then they said, let us create man in our image. Genesis 2, we see the account of creation. Beginning in verse 7, Then the Lord God formed the man from dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east. And there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You know, I love a good book. A good book that's got a great storyline. And I'm telling you today that this book has a great storyline. It begins with God creating the world and creating man. And the rest of the book is a story about relationships. Over and over and over, God goes through the Old Testament and the New Testament explaining to us how relationships are important, how relationships become fractured, and how relationships can be restored. And we see here this amazing picture of God saying these relationships can be good. The Lord modeled that relationship with Himself But the Lord also designed for us to have relationships with others. 
God didn't just create Adam and say, okay, now Adam can enjoy this. He said it's not good for man to be alone. Now why would God say that it's not good for man to be alone? Was Adam walking around the garden lost, refusing to ask for directions? Wow, that didn't work at all, did it? (laughs) Was Adam in utter chaos, not knowing how to cook for himself? No, they're not with me. Okay, it's not funny. God designed a helpmate because He designed us to be relational. He designed us to share life with other people and He designed us to enjoy that in Him. And for us to put all that together and and be able to enjoy the creation that He had, we've got to understand that all of our fulfillment comes from the relationship we have in the Lord God. Genesis 2, beginning of verse 18, the Lord God said, It's not good that man should be alone, but I'll make a helper fit for him. And out of the ground the Lord God made every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. And the man gave names to all the livestock and the birds and the heavens and every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not a, a, a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took one of the ribs and closed up the place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And he said, this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and they were not ashamed. There's a picture here of them in paradise. They're in the garden and the Lord made Adam a companion that he could share life with, that he could have a purpose with, that he could have a relationship with, and both of which could point to him. Now how amazing must it have been to be living at that time? Adam, Eve, and God. Perfect unity. There were no problems. There was no conflict. There was no sin. There was no drama. There were no baggage from decisions that had been made improperly. The Bible literally says that God walked with them in the cool of the day. In the afternoon, oh hey, there's God. God showed up. We're going to go for a walk. How amazing of a picture this is of us in proper relationship with the Lord God. You know, we know the story. We know chapter 3 is coming. We know sin is fixing to enter the world. And we, we kind of breeze past that. God created everything perfect and then sin came and everything was ruined. But, but, but what, what I think we miss is to focus on the fact that everything was perfect and we were designed to have this perfect relationship with the Lord God. The reality is, is that the next step is true. The Lord designed us to have a relationship with Him, but sin entered the picture. We know the story, right? The serpent twisted the truth. The serpent began to say, did God really say this? Is this really what happened? Eve, did He really say you couldn't do this? Eve desired what was forbidden. Eve took of the fruit and shared it with Adam and immediately there was conflict, right? Immediately there was separation. Immediately there was consequences. 
We see this picture of them sewing fig leaves together because all of a sudden they were ashamed. All of a sudden they recognized things that they didn't recognize before. They were trying to cover and hide their offense. And they heard the Lord God walking in the garden. And what did they do? They hid from Him. And the Lord God said, Adam, Adam, where are you? Did God know where Adam was? Of course He did. Adam, where are you? Well, well, well I, I, I was naked and I was afraid and, and I, I hid from you. I, I can't come out. I... Adam, why? Why would you say that? Who told you that? What, what has happened between us, Adam? Lord God knew what had happened between them. But He needed Adam to be able to say, something's wrong. I made a mistake. I have sinned. And then all of a sudden the blame game happens, right? We know the story. He did it, she did it, they did it, they did it. You, it's the woman you gave me. <laughs> Anything but my fault, right? Isn't that just like us? Isn't that the most sad picture of you and I? Why isn't your walk the way it's supposed to be? Why isn't your relationship with the Lord God thriving today? All of us would answer with, well, there's this and there's this and I know that I need to be doing this but and you just don't understand how busy I am with this and, and we all begin this whole process of explaining why our relationship with the Lord God is faltered. Why there's a flaw. Why it's not thriving because God has made provision for it to be remarkable. You know, I told you I love a, a good story and the story started out really good. It was a love story between God and His people. And then there's conflict and there's a villain and there's all of these things that have to be played out. But the good thing for you and I is that we know the ending, right? We know the end story that one day He will take us away and, and we will escape from the sin and the consequences of this life and we will live with Him forever because we are His. But somewhere in between there, we've got to flesh out what do we do with this relationship aspect? How do we flesh this out in our own personal lives? See, He demonstrated relationship for us. He designed us for relationship with each other. He wants us to have a relationship with Him. And God proves His desire for relationship with us by sacrifice. If we read Genesis 3, we continue reading after all that happened of Him walking in the cool of the garden and, and, and Adam and Eve and the serpent. He begins to give the consequences of their actions. He begins to explain to them, because you did these things, there will be these consequences. There will be pain in childbearing. The, the serpent will crawl on his belly. There will be working the earth. There will be all these consequences are going to come to you. But if you skip down in, in this passage of Scripture to verse 21, we see a very interesting thing. And the Lord God made for Adam and his wife garments of skins and he clothed them. 
We see in the midst of this, yes, there was immediate consequences because they chose to delight themselves in something other than Him. There were consequences for sin and God was very clear to lay that out for them. He didn't take that away, but He did make the gesture to go to them and make provision for them. He did make opportunity for them to be right with him again and he took an animal and he and he killed that first animal and there was the first sacrifice of an animal in order that he could cover their offense in order that he could restore their relationship in order that they could be clothed and come back into fellowship with him you see the bible teaches that without the shedding of blood there's no remission of sins if if something doesn't die to pay for sin then sin is still there For the wages of sin is death. And the Lord God doesn't get away from that. He demands that. But God killed that animal so that that could be covered for them. So that they could have garments for Adam and Eve. And that was the first sacrifice. Now why have we spent so long this morning walking through a story that anybody in our children's ministry could have told us about creation and God creating and sin coming into the world? Because it sets the stage for the rest of the story of the Bible. Because it points you and I back to the most important relationship that we will ever, ever understand. We work so hard to have relationships with other people. We're so concerned about how many friends we have on Facebook or how many people we have in our friend list or or who we contact or who we connect with and how we climb the corporate ladder and all of the things that consume us about the relationships in in our lives. And the very relationship that is the most important one sometimes finds the least intentionality. And I think that we need to come back and remember that we were created for this relationship with Him. That He provided for us to be restored to Him and He desires that relationship to thrive. What are the implications of this for you and I? The Old Testament is full of stories of God talking about His people. God showing us His people and them making mistakes and finding themselves in need of Him and Him reaching out to them. We look at the story of Noah. God saw the sinfulness of the world and vowed to flood the world, and, and, and he, but yet He created a way out. So Noah finds himself on the boat, and, and, and the first act that he does when he gets off the boat is what? He sets up an altar, and he gets an animal, and he worships the Lord, and he offers a sacrifice. The very first act that he does when he gets there is offer a sacrifice. We look at Abraham and the story of Isaac. God promised Abraham a son. God promised Abraham all of these things. And none of these things were happening and it didn't make sense. And then finally we know down the line, eventually Isaac came. Can you imagine Abraham in his life? Can you imagine God answered all of my prayers? God gave me Isaac. God is blessing. God is doing. God is remarkable. And then all of a sudden God says, Take your son, your only son, whom you love and sacrifice Him. In that moment, there's, there's no words. What do you do with that? You trust God. And we know the rest of the story. God provided a lamb and, 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 and worked that out and, and Isaac was replaced by someone else to sacrifice for Him. Does this sound familiar Does this sound like the foreshadowing of what was going to happen with Christ? Over and over in the Old Testament, we read about God's people 
straying away, serving other gods, being disobedient, choosing other things to bring them satisfaction other than their relationship with the Lord. And over and over we see the Lord providing a way for His people to come back to Him. The Lord showing His people to come back into relationship with Him. I don't know about your walk, but I know that my walk is one that I am grateful that He has an unfailing love and He continues to bring me back into right relationship with Him. That He promises to complete the good work that He began in my life and your life. But that's not going to happen unless we are placing priority on the relationship that we're supposed to have with Him. That's not going to happen until we say we want to be restored, we want to be in right relationship, and we want to thrive with the Lord God. We look at the New Testament and the story continues. We have all the, the, the things that happened in the Old Testament that were remarkable. In the New Testament, we get the same thing. We get the bad news, first of all, that the wages of sin is death, and we all, like sheep, have gone astray, and we know that, that these things are true. But we also have the rest of the story in the New Testament. We hear about the Christ who has come. For God so loved the world that He sent His Son. Right? He sent His Son to be the ultimate sacrifice, the last sacrifice that truly saves us from our sins so that our relationship can always be right. We see the rest of the story that, yes, we all like sheep have gone astray, but we have a good shepherd that will, that will run after, after one of those sheep and will bring that sheep back and rejoice in that. So the question for you and I is, how is our relationship with the Lord God? I would presume that most of, us, most of us in this room have asked God to forgive us of our sins. Most of us have come to the place that God has revealed our sinfulness to Him and we've asked to be forgiven of our sins. We've trusted in Christ and the sacrifice that happened on that cross and that alone to save us from our sins. If you're in this room to, this morning and you, you are hearing about this and you know that you are sinful, know today that God desires a relationship with you and that you can be forgiven and that one day you'll spend eternity in heaven with Him. That sacrifice has already been made for you. On your behalf, through the love of the Father, God is still restoring relationships. Turn your Bibles, if you have them this morning, to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to walk through a very short passage here that, that points us to where we were and where we need to be, where most of us in this room are. The reason I'm harping so much on this is because I'm afraid that, that far too many of us take our relationship with the Lord for granted. I believe with all of my heart that once you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that your salvation is secure and that nothing can change that and, and He will never forsake you. But I also believe with all of my heart that so many have nailed down that, that decision and have the comfort of security of heaven one day and are not concerned about the relationship that He desires for us every day between now and then. That we are forsaking this thriving relationship with the Lord God because we are consumed with a life of pleasing ourselves in so many other ways. And then we wonder why we're not being used of Him in the process. Why we're not sensing the joy of His fellowship in between now and then. Ephesians 2 beginning in verse 1. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince and the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, 
like the rest of mankind. What a condemnation that sentence is. But God, being rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. The rest of the story is, but God sent His Son to die on the cross so that we might enjoy relationship with Him. He did that so He could redeem us from our situation like we were with the rest of mankind so that we would not follow the passions of our flesh, so we would not be sons of disobedience, so we would not carry out the desires of our body or our mind, but that we would live in soul worship to Him and in relationship with Him. I'm not saying that we'll never falter and that we can go back to the place that Adam and Eve were in the garden that that there was absolutely nothing to deal with. We will always have the consequences of our sin. I made horrible decisions for many years in my life and I will always have consequences for those decisions. Those consequences have not gone away, but the relationship with Christ has been restored. And we can all come back to that place to where He has made it right for us. The question is, is are we spending time, are we spending our thoughts, are we spending our money, are we spending our lives making sure that the most important relationship we will ever, ever experience is in good order? Or are we taking it for granted and moving on? We were created for a relationship with the Lord. He has come to us to redeem us from ourselves and restore that relation to us. The question becomes, how do we live this out? What do we do with these truths? Jesus said, when asked which is the greatest commandment, in Matthew 22, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. The greatest commandment is this. The second is, like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus explained that love for the Lord God is the greatest command. There is nothing more important than our love and devotion to the Lord God. And when we understand what that means, it will encompass every aspect of our being. What is it that you love? What is it that you are passionate about? We're all passionate about different things, right? Let's talk about Auburn football for a minute. Some of y'all are happy with this, some of you are not. Irrelevant to the game. What did I do yesterday? I made sure my kids had orange on. I made sure Hannah paid the cable bill. I made sure the snacks were made early. I made sure the kids knew bedtime wasn't important because daddy couldn't get up from the TV to take them to bed. We're staying up late tonight. We need to know what's going to happen here. Right? Why? Because it mattered to me. About 16, 17 years ago, there was this really cute girl on the third row at Lakeview Baptist Church. I'm telling you, she was, and still is, really cute. And all of a sudden, I got real interested in where she was going to be eating lunch. All of a sudden, I needed to know what it was that she liked. One time, I went to an inter-varsity softball Game. Never been to one in my life. Didn't even know where the fields were. Didn't care. But I heard she was going to be there. You know what I'm talking about? 
when I get to the place to where I say, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul, if He is my passion, I will find out where He is and I will want to be there. When I understand that the relationship I have with Him dwarfs any other relationship, my children, my family included, then all of a sudden what I want to know is where is He and what do I need to do to be right with Him? See, I don't know about y'all's marriages, but every once in a while my marriage with my wife gets a little out of kilter. And on those days, things just ain't right. You know what I'm talking about? Those that are married in the room do. If mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. And whether I was right or whether I was wrong, there comes this place in the discussion (laughs) that we just need to be right. I'm sorry. What are you sorry for? I don't even know. (laughs) I just want us to be right again. Amen. But our relationship with the Lord, sometimes we neglect and we, we, we feel that distance, we feel that friction, we feel those consequences, but we don't come to that place to where we say, I don't know, I don't know, I don't even care, I just want it to be right. I want to be right with you and I want us to have a, a good relationship and I want us to move forward. You see, we all like sheep have gone astray and our priorities and our distractions and our pursuits are hindering us from enjoying the very relationship that we were meant and designed to love and thrive in. And you and I have got to come to the place to where we say we're going to pursue that relationship with the Lord no matter what. We're going to be in His Word until we hear from Him. We're going to pray until we're right with Him. We're going to obey and follow Him even when it doesn't make sense until He shows us what He's going to do because He is worth it. That relationship is worth any amount of effort that we have to put into it, any amount of sacrifice. There's nothing that He will ever ask of us that will not be worth it. He provided the ultimate sacrifice in order to redeem you and, and initiate this, com- in this relationship with you. Nothing will ever compare to what He's done in order to have a relationship with you. So if He's asking you to let go of something, if He's asking you to trust Him in some area, if He's showing you something that is sinful and separating you from Him, let go of it. Be willing to say you are more important than it doesn't matter what he writes in that sentence, does it? And when we, when we come to the place to where we're able to put him back on the throne of our life and love him with all of our heart and our mind and our soul, then we're going to be able to live in that perfect relationship with him, the one we were designed to experience. We're going to talk about lots of other relationships this month, but none of them will compare and none of them will be right until we get this relationship right so the question for you and for me today is what has drifted into our life that's separating us from him what is distracting us from placing him in complete priority for us and how long has it been until since we've looked into his face And known in our hearts that He has forgiven us of our sins. And all is well. Because that is available to each of us in this room today. It's available to the sinner who's never bowed a knee to Him. Today you can be right with Him. You can come before Him and He will be the Lord of your life. And He will forgive you of your sins. 
It's available to every believer in this room that, that is not enjoying the fullness of who the Lord God is. If we would be willing to accept all that He's done on our behalf and humbly say, I want you more than that, whatever that is in my life. Let's pray to that end. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank You that You, in Your love, sent Your Son. Lord, we thank You that You made provision for us to be forgiven of our sins. Lord God, that You desire relationship with sinful beings. And God, can we just acknowledge this morning the idolatry that we have in our lives? That our hearts are still wicked and we still follow after things that don't bring you glory. Lord, can we acknowledge this morning that we miss being so right with you that we feel as if we're walking in the cool of the garden with you? And God, all across this room we have issues. We have distractions, we have sins, we have neglect, we have hurt. And God, we ask this morning that You would reveal those things to us. God, I pray that You would show us the areas of our lives that, that there's sin that's separating us from enjoying You the way we were designed to enjoy You. And God, I pray that You would help us to repent, to lay those things down at the altar, claiming the truth that You sent Your Son and have forgiven us of all of our trespasses. Lord, that we can have freedom in You today. And Lord, I pray that You would help us to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our mind, and all of our strength this week. God, that we wouldn't be able to get away from the fact that You sent Your Son to die for us, that You created us to have a relationship with You, and that we can enjoy You every day and for all of eternity. And Lord, we do pray for those in this room that, that know they have sin in their life and have never accepted the forgiveness that comes through You. Just like the one who accepted forgiveness in Zambia, Africa this morning. Lord, that they might find that relationship for the very first time this day. Lord, as we stand and we sing, be glorified in this place. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and worship together. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the Contact Us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.